It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests, and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. This week, we're chatting with Lisa Steele, a fifth-generation chicken keeper extraordinaire and founder of Fresh Eggs Daily, which you might be familiar with. Lisa is the author of six books, including Gardening with Chickens, and is the host of a TV show called Welcome to My Farm. She lives in Maine, where she and her chickens commune with nature and try to stay out of each other's way. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Hi, Christy. I'm a big fan. I'm excited for our chat today. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. Uh, I mean, I've been, we've, I think I, we follow each other on Facebook and whatnot. I see you all over the place, and I'm so excited to finally actually get to have have a conversation with you. We both did. Uh, a talk at the great grow along, which was fun to do. Um, and so it's, it's just nice to finally chat with you in person <clears throat> or all over, over zoom, so to speak. You're a fifth generation chicken keeper. What was your family doing this professionally or as homesteaders? How did it work for you to, to turn into this chicken keeper extraordinaire that you are? They actually are, were my grandparents were the chicken farmers. They had a big chicken barn with two wings they grew they grew they raised chickens for meat and for eggs they owned a diner that they supplied with the meat and the eggs and I grew up across the street from their huge chicken barn we had chickens like I had them as a kid I was in 4-H and and did that but my parents were teachers they weren't planning on becoming chicken farmers but prior to that my great-grandparents lived in Finland they came over when my grand grandparents were small children, but they raised chickens and geese in Finland. And we can actually trace back for sure five generations that have raised chickens, which is kind of neat because I'm pretty sure like three or four generations ago, pretty much everybody's parents raised something, you know, they, if they didn't live in the city, but then it sort of skipped a generation sort of with our parents. Right. They, you know, it was maybe the first woman in the family going to college or, you know, they were they were getting more career type jobs and people were moving off of farms and supermarkets came to be. So chicken keeping kind of lost its ground there for a generation. And now people are kind of picking it up. But we do have unbroken five generations. And I'm sure it goes back, you know, like 19 or something like that. But we can't positively swear to that. So I stick with five. Now, you used to live in Virginia, but now you live in Maine. What? had to change for you and your chickens when you moved to that northern climate? You know, it was a big change. In gardening terms, we went from, I believe, zone seven or eight to zone five. Mm. So, you know, all of our our gardening had to change and the timing of of planting everything and all that. But um, as far as the animals go, a lot of people who followed me on social media because we were in Virginia for a couple of years with the chickens before we moved, they were concerned that I wasn't going to bring the chickens with me because we were moving to Maine and there's snow and it's cold and all that. Right. But in reality, they do so much better in the cool temperatures than the heat. Pretty much right. all animals have trouble with heat. You know, our, our dogs, our cat didn't want to go outside when it was hot out. And um, so most animals do better in a cooler climate. They don't love the extreme cold and the, and the ice and snow but they're all doing fine. And did you have to insulate your coop more so than before? Or what, what have you, what measures did you take? I think the roof actually is insulated. We, I had built my coop in Virginia and um, we were just starting out and I put it in the middle of the pasture kind of near the barn in the full sun. 
And it lasted there for about a month into the summer when I realized that Folsom <laughs> in Virginia is not the best place for a coop. So we had to, to move it into the shade. Um, so here, when we, we had our coop delivered, we do have it in full sun all day facing south. So this, the coop gets um, sunlight all day. It's out of the wind. And that alone keeps it about 20 degrees warmer inside than it is outside. So we don't heat our coop. We don't light our coop. I believe the roof is insulated, um, but the walls aren't. And even when it gets down to zero, our coop hovers around 20 degrees, which is not terribly unbearable for the chickens. Oh, right, because they have feathers and they huddle together for warmth. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you describe, because you described a little bit of your Virginia property, but what does your garden and chicken setup look like now in Maine for those who haven't seen it? So we, we do have a, a nice walk-in shed. It actually was a garden shed that I had converted into a chicken coop, and it has a large run attached to it, which is basically the chicken pen, which keeps them from being eaten by, you know, everything, <laughs> foxes and coyotes and hawks and things. So it's covered, and um, we do let them out in the afternoon sometimes when I can watch them. But basically, they live in their their pen and, and uh, the, co- the, the coop. The pen is about 18 by 40. So it's large, plenty of room for them to run around. And then next to that, the chickens have their own herb garden. It's about, I think it's about four by six, and it's a raised bed herb garden that I plant for them. We do have, we have lavender, thyme, rosemary. There are a couple things that are perennial even here that come up every year. And then I replant some of the other things for them. So that's their little herb garden. And then next to that, I have a strawberry rhubarb garden that I do have fenced in, so they won't eat all of our strawberries and rhubarb. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, that. <laughs> we, when, when we, we have a little trough that I grow alfalfa in that I bring, we bring it into the chicken run for them to feed on. And it's, it's destroyed in a matter of minutes, really. So I was like that rhubarb and strawberries. So I'm glad you, to hear that you keep that, <laughs> you know, outside. I do. They, yeah. Well, the rhubarb, especially because it's toxic. So they right. really shouldn't be eating the rhubarb and they obviously love strawberries. So we wouldn't have any, but the herbs, believe it or not, the, especially the ones that um, like the echinacea, the lavender, the rosemary, it's a little bit more woody mm-hmm. and they, they don't really destroy it. I do have to sometimes sort of replant it. Um, but things like, like basil, or parsley I usually cage until they've grown bigger and then they'll nibble a little little bit off the plants and they take their dust baths in there which destroys by the end of the season it's destroyed (laughs) let's put it that way Um, but I do have a little kitchen herb garden on the the porch that I use for cooking and for us so that really truly is the the chicken's herb garden and I mean seeds are cheap It, it doesn't cost a lot of money to plant some herbs and replant them and replant them again Right. And, and I, I know that you have a couple of ideas in the book that, that are planted specifically for the chickens and we'll get to some of that in a minute, but I have to ask the big question, how do you keep your hens from eating absolutely everything in your garden? Cause you have a beautiful garden, at least, you know, what I've seen mm-hmm. and, and, you know, conversely, where do you allow your chickens to run out in the open? That's, you know, okay. And that you can replant or you know, how do you manage that? We actually used what was supposed to be a chicken run. It was a big metal sort of chain link enclosure with a door. We used that for the first couple of years for our vegetable garden to keep the chickens out. Um, basically, you know, putting fencing around your garden is the only way to save your vegetable garden or they will destroy it. I use little cages around some of the flowers, my irises, daffodils, things like that. 
the individual plants that I don't want them to destroy. I've transplanted a lot of lilac bushes and hydrangeas. And again, I cage them, you know, when they're small. And then once they get to be maybe two feet tall, the chickens will eat the bottom leaves but they're not going to destroy the plant. You know, we have some blueberry bushes that are now past the danger stage. So I don't have to cage those anymore. Nice. So you were kind enough to send me a copy of your book, Gardening with Chickens, and it's gorgeous. I've been pouring over the edible gardening plans. So let's talk about a couple of these. Uh, You have a natural wormer garden, a garden for orange egg yolks, and a garden for respiratory immune health, which I assume is for the chicken's respiratory immune health, but maybe it's for both humans and chickens. Tell me a little bit about each of these and what they're comprised of. Yeah, that's actually a good question because for the most part, human and chicken or really any other DNA is very, very close. I was talking to a poultry scientist a couple of years ago. We were at a trade show and bored out of our minds. So we started talking about DNA and he said, you know, it's like that 1% of our DNA that's different that turns us into a human or a chicken or a mouse or a rabbit. So he said, basically the way something is going to react in a human, it's going to react in other animals. You know, there are exceptions like dogs can't eat chocolate, things like that. But he said, for the most part, the herbs, the culinary herbs are going to have the same benefits. So if you read that, you know, for example, thyme is good for respiratory health, that's going to apply to a human or for a chicken. I'm a big believer in providing my chickens what they need and believing that they know what to do with it. So by planting all these herbs, I let the chickens pick and choose, and I spend a lot of time watching them, watching what they nibble on, what they take their dust baths in, what they ignore altogether. And that kind of drives what I'm going to plant for them the next year or whatever. But there are some herbs that do have um, proven respiratory health and immune system benefits. Some people don't believe in it the way I look at it they've got vitamins and nutrients in them at the very least. Yeah. You know, it's not going to hurt them. So the rosemary, the thyme, um, echinacea, things like that. And it makes a really beautiful garden. You know, it doesn't have to be just this medicinal garden. Herbs are so pretty, especially if you let them flower. Right. And they attract beneficial insects too when they're done. So it's great. Yeah. Were those the herbs that you have planted in your, in your immune health, respiratory health garden? Correct. And let's talk about the the dewormer, or you you call it the natural wormer garden, but it's, I assume, for deworming, right? Correct. Yes. uh, Chickens are pretty susceptible to internal parasites. You know, they they scratch in the dirt. There's poop everywhere. So, you know, you've got to keep their gut health pretty healthy. Again, a lot of people don't believe in the whole natural wormer concept, but there have been studies done that there's a coating on the seeds of squash and melons and cucumbers and pumpkins and things like that that paralyze these parasites and then the chickens can expel them out of their body more easily. I know a lot of people in the goat community because goats are also very susceptible to parasites. They use, and there are some commercial products actually that use these things. So I figure again, plant them for the chickens. So I give them a lot of cantaloupes and cucumbers and pumpkins and watermelon, all those kind of things. They can eat the seeds. Hopefully they do eat the seeds. And then dandelions are great, especially first thing in the spring, because they're one of the first things to come up. Dandelions are really great for purging toxins and just sort of doing like a spring cleaning for your your internal workings. And chickens love them. 
and then garlic, which I'm just a big believer of garlic in general. We eat a lot of garlic. I plant garlic. The chickens eat a lot of garlic for respiratory and immune health. And nasturtium, which is a nasturtium are beautiful and they're fun to grow and they're easy to grow from seed. They come in a bunch of different colors. The chickens love to eat them. And they're actually a thing that you can grow up the side of your chicken run because they will, they will climb some of the varieties. Let me ask a, a clarifying question about garlic. Mm-hmm. Is it the garlic bulb itself that they're eating chopped up or is it the leaves mm-hmm. that they're eating? Yeah, the the, um, the bulb, the cloves. So like when I'm cooking, especially, you know, how you cut off the, the two ends and the papers, I keep all those in my chicken scrap bucket and I give those to them every once in a while. I'll crush a garlic clove and toss it in their water and it just kind of sits in the water and all the goodness seeps out. Got it. And, you know, I have a, I have a natural dewormer that has a lot of crushed up peppers in it. Have you, are there any, is there any, <laughs> am I fooling myself or does this actually help? You're talking like hot peppers? Yeah, I open the bag and I start tearing up and like choking a little bit because it's very spicy in there. I have read that, that, that cayenne or, or hot peppers are, are, do have warming properties. It's not something I necessarily grow, but again, it can't hurt. Chickens actually lack the taste receptor to taste hot, right. spicy. So it's not going to bother them. Right. They'll eat them. Excellent. And so let's talk about the orange egg yolks garden. Cause that one is, I love that. Yeah. That one's probably the most fun one because you can actually see the benefits of it. Um, I think a lot of the commercial chicken feed companies are getting smart and realizing that they're kind of being beaten at their own game by the backyard chicken keepers mm-hmm. because our eggs look so much better because our chickens are out eating all kinds of leafy greens and vegetable scraps and, and all that. So some of the commercial feed companies are starting to add marigolds and alfalfa and things like that to their feeds. So they're, you know, you feed their feeds and your chicken's eggs turn orange, which is great. <laughs> But for your garden, things like carrots and marigolds and watermelon, parsley, alfalfa, like I mentioned, pumpkins. Um, there's there's actually a list on my website of a whole bunch of plants and flowers and things that will turn the chickens' egg yolks nice and orange. Yeah, I notice when I give when I give them that alfalfa patch to chew on it, the eggs the next week are just so bright, mm-hmm. <laughs> so gorgeous. Uh, and kale also, cause I have a, I have a perennial tree kale that I have growing and it's mostly just for them. I tear oh. off leaves and throw it in there and they just love it. They, and they're kind of picky about their kind of kale. Actually, they, they don't like, they don't like curly kale. They prefer lachinato and, and red Russian, uh, but the tree kale is also a, a flat type of kale. It's not really savoy. So they really prefer that. It's kind of nuts that my chickens are picky about kale varieties, but that's the truth. So, yeah. Uh, Now I have a bit of a somber question, but it's a really important one for being a chicken keeper that I think newcomers need to know. Uh, I once had to put one down myself and I'm, I'm actually still not over it, but that's, I know people do grow hens as meat and for the eggs. What, is your advice, what can you advise people who have to put down a chicken for either health reasons or for eating? So first of all, we don't eat our chickens. We, okay. you know, just eat their eggs, their pets, and they all have names. But right. I think even better advice would be to work really, really hard building their immune systems, keeping them healthy. I'm big into the herbal and the natural preventives. You know, when we first started raising chickens, most of the books out there kind of just said, feed your chickens, change their water, collect the eggs. And when they get sick, either 
call them or give them antibiotics or this or that. And that really wasn't speaking to me, which is part of the reason why I wrote my first book. I started doing a lot of research into how do I keep these chickens healthy so I don't have to worry about something like that. And so far, knock on wood, um, it's worked over a decade and we have not had any sick chickens. I mean, they just, they don't get sick. I work really hard on giving them things like the apple cider vinegar, the garlic, tons of herbs, just all the things that keep them healthy because not only would it be heartbreaking to have to put one down, it's hard to find a vet. It's hard to figure out what's wrong with them. You know, chickens hide their symptoms. Yep. Chickens are mean and they will turn on a sick black member. (laughs) So they have been conditioned through the centuries to not show anybody they're sick until they're practically dead, honestly. It's true. It's like mean girls out there sometimes. I have to have to really keep an eye on one of my hens who's become she's on the bottom rung of the ladder, so to speak in the pecking order. Uh, but we had to put, we had to put a hen down who had dislocated her hip and we couldn't put it, we couldn't get it back. And like you said, there's no avian vet here who charges less than like a thousand dollars to, to diagnose and treat a problem with a hen. And it just was, we didn't have it. We didn't have that kind of money. And so we ended up asking around for advice and other people who knew what to do. And we just, we had to put her down. It was terrible. I was heartbroken and I lost a lot of sleep over it. And as a 30 year vegetarian, it was just one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But um, hopefully that will never happen again. And I, I love your approach of the preventatives. It really does make a difference. Have you, do you use oregano in the water at all or for feeding on, is that part of, that's part of some of your gardens, I imagine. It is. And and I don't use essential oils for the most part because Mm -hmm. they're potent. If you don't know what you're doing, um, there's not a lot of studies as far as dosages. I mean, chickens are tiny. So I do try to stay away from the essential oils and use the fresh herbs, the dried herbs, but Oregano oil is one of the things that has been studied. It is a proven natural antibiotic. So I do have oregano oil in my chicken first aid kit and, you know, a couple drops in the water every so often. Again, lots of preventives. You know, if I hear any kind of weird squeak or, you know, somebody just looks a little bit, a little bit off or, you know, as you mentioned, the pecking order, one of the first signs that something might be wrong with one of your chickens is that if they all of a sudden start picking on a chicken. Mm-hmm. For no apparent reason, look her over really, really carefully because they're probably sensing that something is wrong. And like you said, they're mean girls and they're, they're, they just decide they're going to kill her. You know, <laughs> it's like a kindergarten playground out there. I hate it. It's <laughs> like, girls, be kind. And it's just so sad. But they know stuff. They, yeah. they know stuff. You know, if you watch them and spend enough time with them, they're very much tuned into what's going on. Yeah. And I, one more side question about, about remedies. Cause I have this bottle of the stuff that's called vet RX and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, essential oils and some other whatnots. Um, have you ever used it? Yeah. That's another thing that I keep, I keep vet RX, the oregano oil, NutriDrench, which is like a molasses based, um, when molasses has tons of nutrients and like sort of give them sugar water or electrolytes or something thing like that. But yeah, the VetRx is great stuff. And again, if I hear any kind of weird sneeze or cough or anything, a couple drops in the water for a couple days and nothing has ever gone further than that. That is really good stuff. I definitely recommend that. Okay, great. So what's the weirdest chicken related experience you've had or one of many, I'm sure, but (laughs) if you have any. Wow. That's an interesting question. I've never actually been asked that question. 
while you're thinking, okay. I will share my own. So we have one hen, uh, her name, <laughs> her name is Olive. She's an olive egger and she is an escape artist. She's a little Houdini and we, we never witness her escaping. We just see her out sometimes in what looks like world war one trenches dig she's dug up the whole because my whole backyard is covered in mulch and so it's really just mulch for her to dig in and we just it takes us usually a week to figure out where the breach is in the run and she just because we never witness her leaving we just see her suddenly out and it's it's always like where did she get out? It's fortified. This place is fortified and she still somehow manages to get out. That's crazy. No, mine are, I mean, they're, I'm not going to say they're well-behaved because yeah, when they're out, they just destroy everything, but they, they're not terribly badly behaved. I don't think they just, they just do weird, you know, quirky little, I do have, it's okay. So I do sort of have one. We had, we had chicks who were sort of past the chick stage, but not really the chicken. Stage, you know, so they were in the house at night, but out during the day. And I was sort of trying to free range them a little bit with the older flock just to get everybody used to each other before I threw them in. And it was a free for all. And we had one little rooster and, you know, he was the size of a pigeon, maybe. So they were all out. And next thing you know, he does his little call and all the chickens just scatter and, you know, go for a cover. And he's standing in the middle of the yard, <laughs> like with his chest pumped out and he's standing there and there's a hawk circling and this little you know, pigeon-sized chicken was, was ready to take on the hawk for, like, he was going to take one for the team. <laughs> you know? So I, like, <laughs> raced over and grabbed him up and, you know, carried him to safety. But he, I mean, he had no qualms about, there's a hawk, and I'm just going to stand here all by myself in the middle of the yard. Oh, what a brave little guy. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's that's kind of what happens to most roosters. You know, they they stand in the line of fire and, um, you know, people think that having a rooster is going to make it safe for their chickens to free range, but not really so much. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, well, our chickens live under the canopy of a giant Brazilian pepper tree, but, uh, so far we have evaded the hawks. One, one of them grabbed one of my chickens. Uh, but we, I, I run out there and it scattered before anything bad happened, but Man, those guys are, they're sharp. <laughs> they, they are always on the hunt. It's pretty, pretty vicious out there if you're not careful. So keep your chickens protected, everybody. It is. I, an old timer, when we first started, he said, you have to think about it this way. The predators only have to be right once. Right. Like they only have to win once and they've yes. won and you only have to lose once, you know? And it's like every day you have to win constantly every time. Yeah. Well, it is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience? I think that was just the tip is keep your chickens safe. <laughs> no, but I, I think that, um, I think in general, especially this past year, because so many people are getting into gardening and chicken keeping or whatever, is to integrate them and think about ways to use, a lot of it is in my book, but ways to use your chicken manure, whether you're composting or you're using in your garden, you can use your chickens in your garden in the off season. They're terribly destructive during the season, but once your plants are out, they're fertilizers, they're tillers, you know, they, they enjoy it. They'll eat a lot of the bugs. So integrating your, your chicken keeping and your gardening together just makes so much sense. That is great. And do you keep your compost bin inside your chicken coop? Like I know so many people do. 
we we did we have ducks also and oh. they sleep on the floor so <laughs> i don't really like them but the deep litter method which is what you're talking to works really wonderfully especially in cold climates you basically are just turning adding new you are composting inside your chicken coop it creates a little bit of heat and then in the spring you have this beautiful composted soil but where we have the ducks that sleep on the floor i just i feel like i need to put new straw in for them yeah we we keep our compost separate from the chickens, but we do incorporate the manure when I'm building a hot a hot pile because it really kicks up the temperature and it's very it's very uh, nutrient well nitrogen dense. It's a high nitrogen mm-hmm. ingredient, so it's perfect for adding to the compost when you're when you're building a big pile all at once. Kicks up the temperature to 150 degrees. <laughs> awesome stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for that expert tip, Lisa, and for being a guest on the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast. Thank you. It was fun. How do people find you? Really easy at freshexdaily.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Fresh Eggs Daily. All right. And YouTube. And YouTube, right. And of course, so all right, Garden Nerds, you'll find links to Lisa's books on GardenNerd.com this week. We're also going to post links to her social media feeds and her videos where you can watch two seasons so far of her TV show. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. And you'll find us on Twitter and Instagram under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening.